for tuning in to The Queer Truth, a podcast that takes on a variety of topics from pop culture to everyday life. I'm Chantel C. You can call me CC, and I'm joined by my partner in organizing the D, the E, the N, the I, S, E, Denise. <laughs> Thank you so much. That is a nice little, wow, that's good. You could be my hype man. There we go. I'm a hype woman, if I'm anything. <laughs> You're a hype man. What do you think this is? <laughs> you could be my Cinderella. How about that? And y'all were sleeping on Spinderella. I know that. Who's I know y'all? that. Not me, y'all. I'm not included in that, y'all. You're going to need to know. <laughs> Catch all pronouns. It's not me. We're all sluts, though. Absolutely. Your mama's a slut. <laughs> really? That's where we go with that's, that? That's, wow. That's, that's where they went. That's where that's, they went. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what went down. We just... That you was just calling people's mama sluts. I mean, <laughs> when they come to the function with the microphone in their face, yes, you do. Yes, you do. So I just have one question though. Why did this video just now go viral? This happened in 2017, where Samira Rahim was uh, clapping back, basically, right? Mm-hmm. She was at the slut walk. She wasn't even in it to win it. She was there supporting a friend of hers. Mm-hmm. And she saw some some ruffled feathers from mm-hmm. a man who was interviewing people. Right? Mm-hmm. And she said, what's going on over there? And then she sees the ultra-conservative Reverend Jesse Peterson. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know who he is for real, for real. If I would have seen him, I would have been like, who that old man? I don't know him. And I would have kept okay. walking. Like. And he could barely talk, too. So that was hilarious. It was just like, wait a second, but you're a public speaker. Okay, good. Let's do it. So how, And I thought for a moment, when I originally caught this on Instagram, I was like, is this a whole setup? Because he talks kind of slow. So I thought he was <laughs> making fun of, like, I thought he was a parody of himself. And right, then I came right, to find out right. that, no, this, this is, is actually who he is. That is somebody's uncle. He's, oh, he's somebody's uncle for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is somebody's uncle. I need to come get that uncle. What's interesting about this video, so to, to the, the short version is, as I said, they were at the slut walk. She was there supporting her friend. Reverend Jesse P- Peterson, who's ultra conservative, was interviewing people. And he was being very rude. He was asking them, are they sluts? What makes them sluts? Are they proud of being sluts? And so on and so forth. And so... um. Samira was like, oh, I have time today and went over there, you know, ebullient with confidence, sprudeling Uh and answered the questions. And and he wasn't even prepared for like her level of confidence and and just comedic timing. Yeah. And he also his whole shtick really just relied on someone crumbling in shame. Right. And and and. Samira's tellings, there were some people who left that conversation feeling really bad about themselves, which is what made her step up to him. What I found interesting now is um, Samira has done an interview saying that actually she felt some kind of way about this going viral now. She had, you know, it's been some time since it actually happened and she felt a bit uncomfortable for many reasons. Uh, one, as we've talked about here, you know, she doesn't consider herself an academic. She doesn't use SAT words, as she said. You know, she's not mm-hmm. using up three and four syllable words. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and she felt like maybe she should have been more I don't know Sadiddy in the way that she was responding to him you know using nah, some big words it, mm. and but that wouldn't have worked I don't think I think the way that she yeah. interacted worked really well but anyway you know these these were the things that she was thinking about that um that bothered her now that it's gone viral and she says you know she's talked to people she's just a girl from Compton as she describes herself and she's talked to people who do academic feminism and she has asked them you know how does this trickle down to girls I grew up with Mm -hmm. Or how does it trickle down to rape culture that surrounds me? All Mm -hmm. very valid points. And so what do we think about that? Because there were some black men, and I am being very specific right now. There were some black men, probably Mm -hmm. others, but I saw some black men commenting, talking about, oh, that's who y'all call y'all queen. What, excuse me, who, who invited you to this conversation? One. And two, yeah, why not? Why can't she be a queen? She she's in these streets, taking punches, saying Let the me things. Tell you Let me tell you something. Black men save redemption only for the likes of Chris Brown. They only <laughs> like <laughs> they do. Like a black woman has to be perfect, absolutely perfect, and without blemish on her record. Meanwhile, a Kim K mm-hmm. can be out here mm-hmm. with full on volumes of sex tapes. she's like part one (laughs) and it's fine you know 4011 news and it's fine and whereas you know we have to like adhere to all manners of you know chastity illusions or virginity illusions it's nonsense and it has to do with this hypersexualization of the black body the black female body specifically um and anyway so I'm not even going to get into that gaze because I feel like that's part of what he was trying to centralize. This interviewer was like, but wait, what about this black male gaze that is ever and all important in the black community? Right. Are you still going to be confident? Are you still going to own your sexuality in the, in, in the midst of that gaze? Mm-hmm. Are you ready for that gaze to be at this space that is supposed to be your safe space? Because I'm trying to disrupt it. And that's what their job is to always do is to, to, to find bastions or find clusters of women or find individual women that have any level of sense of autonomy and say, um, you know, what about your father? <laughs> you know, like, or, or just completely like try to throw you off balance with some com- super personal, super, you know, destabilizing, low blow that is an attempt to try to make you come out of a space where you feel in any way ownership over yourself and your body. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting also, just like a side note, because, you know, I'm a geek and I get nerdy about this stuff, but I never really understood the slut walk as far as like the term slut walk. So Amber Rose has reached out to her and they are going to be working together on the next slut walk. So that's awesome. But Samira said herself, you know, slut isn't even really a word that she uses, right? Like she, when she is doing her thing, she goes out and she says, I'm on some whole shit. Mm -hmm. Or I'm like feeling myself. And I always wonder like where, I mean, I guess slut is like a term that everybody gets. So maybe it's more conclusive. So certain Mm -hmm. Beckys will join the march. I don't know. But it's not really something it's if I'm not overstepping here, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's something that is necessarily in like the black vernacular as the word that you would reclaim. 
Yeah, I think Ho is much more the black, uh, the Ave, as they say. <laughs> How does one pronounce the A A V E? How does one pronounce that? Ave. Maria. Yeah. Um, Ave. <laughs> it is the of uh, the version of, of slut. Um, but whatever you want to call it, we all fully understand what it means. I mean, that's what the the critique that the Amber Rose got, right? Mm-hmm. Was that slut, when the slut walk mm-hmm. was much more of a white-centric movement and that it, you know, there, it wasn't necessarily something that was for Black women, per se. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it maybe should if she would have called it the whole walk or the whole parade, <laughs> the whole march, the whole march, maybe that would have would have felt different for people. That's a lot more jarring and a lot more shocking. <laughs> and I think that people will reclaim slut way longer. Way but, you know, it home. also could have been because Amber was a sex worker. It might have been mm-hmm. that her sex worker friends were like, hold up, hold up, hold up. We have already reclaimed whore, so you can't use that. Mm. Because whores are allowed to call themselves whores, right? Yeah, so I mean, maybe that was what was behind it. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> so years and years ago, um, in Eugene, Oregon, I went to something wow. called the Sex Workers Art Show. Wow, you said wow. <laughs> I was like, well, I can't be in Eugene. That's a lot. I can't. Mm-hmm. Go on. Anyway, so <laughs> there I was at the Sex Workers Art Show, and I do recall that being a massive discussion about the reclaiming of of whore. Right. The proper mm-hmm. form of Ho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't necessarily think it's something that is like a, for every woman to reclaim because it does have a sex worker connotation. Well, yeah, I think it could be a thing. Also, um, you know, we're kind of funny about these things because if I say cock among black women, they're like, bitch, we don't say cock, we say dick. And I'm like, um, Okay. I don't really like the word dick. I use the word cock. Yeah. I, I think Is that a, a white is that a white word? Yeah. Matter of fact, I think that cock <laughs> is a better indicator of ethnicity than a DNA um <laughs> a genealogy test, actually. I, I I'm I'm pretty sure that if wow. you're using the C word instead of the D word, <laughs> then what's going on is that over sixty percent of your ancestors came from Europe. That's what's happening. <laughs> All I need now is Henry Louis Gates (laughs) to open the book and show me how one of my ancestors got killed. Okay. Okay. He'll hook you up. (laughs) In very uh, disappointing news this week, Mm. handled very well by one of my favorites, Panama Jackson on Very Smart Brothers. Apparently, Angela Rye, who is not someone I ride for, like I understand in the U.S. that she's very popular because she's like a CNN personality, and but she's also built like this platform around women's empowerment and Black women's empowerment specifically. I know a lot of people like her. I don't know how well-known she is here in Europe. She's not someone that I would ever really ride for, but hey, seems like I choose well. Because she felt the need, for whatever reason, to ride hard for Charlemagne the God this week, who has been 
plagued by the resurfacing of alleged rape uh, that happened a long time ago. And the details of the story, very quickly, he threw a party, minors were present, you know, liquor was being served. And so he did have to, um, he did plead guilty to that part, right? Contributing to minor delinquency, had three years of probation. However, there was an alleged rape that he drugged a 15-year-old and raped her. Mm. What makes this believable to many is the fact that there's also an audio of him talking about a different time. Mm-hmm. On his podcast. Where he did have sex with a woman who didn't remember it the next day after he gave her some Spanish fly. So, not saying that one thing happened or didn't happen, but that is the context of the story. And the CNN contributor, Angela Rye, who is often hashtag Black Girl Magic, uh, was on her Instagram where nobody asked her to start defending him. And... <laughs> Let me just read this one part that Panama Jackson wrote this week. Quote, in what I imagine will eventually be a very regretful decision on her part, Angela Rye, noted Black Girl Magic trumpeter, public speaker, CNN contributor, and women's empowerment scion, decided to jump out the window in defense of her, quote unquote, brother, Charlemagne the God. End quote. I felt like he like we didn't even need to read the rest of the story after he wrote it like that. Pretty much sums it up. She felt the need to go in on someone who commented on one of her posts and said, you know, her brother, he is not her brother, they are just friends, is neither a molester nor a rapist. He never drugged anyone and he never touched the girl. So she she's going against his own words. I mean, because no, he says well, he did no, but he drug someone. Yeah, but not this girl. Not the 15-year-old. He's taught the other woman that... He's, that. Talk, he's like, other woman, but not her. Right. <laughs> yeah, the other woman was actually an you, adult. But then when you read and the she said report. she couldn't remember. And, and she said, well, at least it was you. That was how she responded the next day when she found out that they had sex. He, he speaks, you know, this video, uh, this audio that has resurfaced. He is very clear about that. That is not what happened with the 15-year-old. Have you read the police report with about him and the 15-year-old? Because it's super damning. My point is not Charlemagne the God. My point is Angela Rye. But that's black what people girl have been asking Angela. Because this is what's so interesting to me about this, is that people will go on, will do more for people than people will do for themselves. Like, especially when it comes to rape apologists. Rape apologists will do more for an alleged rapist than the alleged rapist will do for themselves. But are you Notice, familiar with Angela Rye? We're not talking about I'm rape apologists. I'm very familiar with Angela Rye. So that's and why I'm this asking. Dynamic, this, this is crazy, right? It is crazy. In the sense of, like, Angela is doing more to defend Charlemagne than Charlemagne is doing to defend himself. That's what I'm talking about. But she is supposedly not- women empowerment, right? So how does that this how does that hill, make sense for this her? This is a hill that many that many <laughs> so-called women empowerment people die on. If you recall, <laughs> I had I had to do something that I very rarely do, which is blast somebody on Twitter Mm-mm. with a one Rebecca Walker Mm-mm. 
right? Mm -hmm. After she co-signed mm -hmm. this letter in support of Huno Diaz, mm -mm. who was taking a vow of silence mm -hmm. <laughs> after admitting that he had done some jacked up things mm -hmm. to women, okay? Took a vow of silence and, and, and said it's black. But these women decided to completely stand for him mm -hmm. and say, oh, but who, who knows a, a, a good dude? Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's just sweep all of that under the rug. Basically, and these are feminist, womanist, whatever you want to call it, women that are professional feminists that have went on, a, on this limb for who knows, mm -hmm. right? So you have that. And then you have Angela Rye. This is a hill that many people die on in the sense of they're not able to put their politics in effect when it comes to their own personal lives. Uh, so they have these politics about, about, you know, understanding patriarchy, misogyny, how that works systematically, how that has no nothing to do with individual men being good or bad, but it has to do with how all men have access to the system of power and can participate in it or not as at will. Mm -hmm. And then when you have any level of uh, evidence of someone close to you, a brother close to you, doing that, exactly that what you write whole dissertations about, you decide it can't possibly be true because I was a fly on the wall of the room. And anything that comes out <laughs> of this mouth has got to be the word of God. Is there this some... is essentially what happens time and time again. Mm -hmm. Is there something particular to Black women that leads oh, them yeah. to defend Black men this way? Yeah. If you look at the history of Black men being accused of rape, I think that there is a collective trauma around that. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a collective sore spot about... It, it's almost like there's a knee-jerk reaction of no. You know, we are not trying to go down this Emmett Hill Road. We are not trying to go down this um, Central Park 5 Road again. Because that happens time and time again. Throughout, it's happened last year. It happened last month. It happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. Over and over again that Black men are corralled into a system, a criminal justice system, on the whisper Mm. of wrong whether that be rape or other wrongdoing right so there, there definitely is this sensitivity to that being this uh somewhat trip wire for black men to enter the criminal justice system that they'll never get out of and they'll never get a fair shape with mm -hmm. um and and unfortunately for black women we're at the crosshairs of sometimes laying ourselves, our daughters, our sisters as sacrificial lambs on sort of the ills of the criminal justice system in protection of Black men, even when they do wrong and there is clear evidence that they have done wrong, mm -hmm. just because we don't want any interaction with that system because we know how destructive it has been to us collectively as a community. In our second segment, we're discussing... How hard it is to get credit where credit is due. Let's start with the big, the big guns. Pat McGrath, a living legend <laughs> in makeup and fashion and beauty, right? She, some people call her the mother of all beauty innovators and runway makeup. She mm -hmm. has been the force behind 
every big show that you have ever caught wind of, even I don't even care about fashion and beauty. And even I know some of the looks that she has created for the big brands from Prada to Louis Vuitton and on and on and on it goes. She has worked her way up. She is a self-taught makeup artist. Okay. Two years ago, she founded an eponymous beauty line, Pat McGrath Labs. Consistently Mm. sells out at launches. Her Instagram creates trends. And with this last investment into her company, Pat McGrath Labs has been valued at an estimated $1 billion. Ouch. Okay. Was she gracing the cover of Forbes? Not boo. Please explain to me how an actual self-made over $1 billion value company does not make the cover of what is supposed to be a self-made $1 billion cover of Forbes. Can somebody explain that to me? Girl, you know they're not checking for black folks. Come on. You know, I mean, like, come on. That's not true. Oh. Forbes is doing all this work <sighs> to show <sighs> diversity. <laughs> all this work to show diversity. <laughs> they're not clued in like that. I mean, they have, I that is not true. Digitally, they have a lot of articles coming out lately of this woman doing this and this black woman doing that. And these are the, the 15 black women who have received VC funding of over $1 million. But Pat, like, it's, it's not even like it's different fields. She has a cosmetic empire that is valued at over $1 billion. And they went with Kylie Cosmetics. That is $800 million, to call her an almost billionaire. I mean, that's the value of whiteness, right? Like, so if you take a black company valued at a billion, and then you take a white company valued at 800 million, and then you add the value of that white privilege, (laughs) right? So, I mean, like, because now you've got people with a GoFundMe or something campaign for Kylie to take her to over a billion. Yes. You not know about this? But that's but that breaks but that breaks because I avoid every K news I can. Wow, you got the filters on? I do. I actually do. But and also that's an illegal GoFundMe. They (laughs) they will have to take that down because that's not no GoFundMe has really clear policies about what type of there's no way that that's gonna go. If it's a GoFundMe or Indiegogo or whatever they called it. It is serious. You could go ahead and put your five dollars to add <laughs> because to she needs eight hundred million your poverty <laughs> to maintain her wealth. Let's go ahead and get her above a billion. So it is trying to raise two hundred million for Kylie. Seriously, there's a cult of personality around, um, not just. Um, self-made billionaires, but like this rich kid culture, Mm -hmm. right? There's a cult of personality around Elon Musk, (laughs) around a Steve Jobs and around a Kylie um, that is all about this like worship of the elite. And as much as Pat McGrath is um, a self-made billionaire, new money, which is what Pat is, right? And Kylie. 
That's, that's really, new money. New money on this level. But she was born into money. She was she born, was born access, in, but, and she but was born not, in. But not, even that money was new. Like new, you <laughs> one generation of money is not old money. I'm sorry. I live that's, in the land. Of, I live in the land of old money. Oh yeah. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> Look, let me tell you something about European old money. Is that vampire money from like <laughs> Transylvania and 1600s? I ain't talking about that money. That's different. New money. It let let. And for my purposes, let's just say that you got from your own come up. Mm-hmm. New money, mm-hmm. right? And solely from your own come up. Right. Like your parents, right. your parents left you with debt. Right, and right. hopes and wishes. For you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And Kylie doesn't know nothing about that. No. Kylie but you never... know what was, what was a beautiful thing, uh, besides, besides Francesca Ramsey's takedown of the Forbes self-made claim, was someone... I don't know their race, so I won't make assumptions, but some fan, Stan, oh, what, no, wait, what does she wanted to call, she had a name, Roxanne Gay, because her last name is Gay, she says she wanted her fans to be called Gaystons or something, it was hilarious, anyway, somebody was in her feed talking about, you're self-made, emoji, smiley, 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 and she was like, no, I'm not. My parents always had my back. They had a security net. I grew up middle class. I was like, oops. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that. I'm like, first of all, how can you be a gayston or whatever? And not know, because she literally writes about it at every opportunity she gets. It kind of gets on my nerves about how when she was young, her family was middle class and then upper middle class. And she went to the most expensive boarding school in the U.S., so, yeah, but if she was a white dude, she would just focus on that lower middle class part of the story. <laughs> and then turn No, no, that she never she tail. never said lower middle class. She never said right. middle or, class. Working class, let's say. No, she was never she working would, class. She, would, she, she was turn, never working class. Let me tell you. She would turn any <laughs> any time in the life of her family when they had a net negative uh value into a tale of woe and sharecroppery. That well, <laughs> you know how they do. I don't think she would, because she comes from. No, I said if she were. Oh, if she were a white man, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, then you're correct. But it would be sharecroppery because that would implicate blackness. So it would have to be. I don't know. Um, what what would it be? <laughs> Taylor Appalachian come up. <laughs> Back in the day when my father was only an entry level manager, and we. We're living in just a three-bedroom house. I had to clean with... the same pair of Converse for two years. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but similarly, we had uh, the headlines this week. And I mean, just blatant, blatant stealing of work. Again, in the fashion industry. Mm, Be nice. Fine, a collection founded by a Nigerian-American designer, Buki Ade. Her spring-summer 2017 Sahara collection was 100% copped, 100% by Sylvia Olsen during Miami Swim Week. Miami Swim Week is the biggest show for swimwear fashion designers in the U.S. And, like, the woman was so bad in her copying the Sahara collection 
that she put her skinny white models in Native American headdress imitations while the bathing suits had dashiki and other African print on them. Ouch. She was just like any kind of normal. <laughs> she did not. Um, she didn't we, know what she was doing. She copied we, it and then put Native you know, American even, images behind, like projected onto screens look, while just the white be, models I'm walked. Su- look, I'm surprised that the, co- the swim coveralls weren't um, a kimono. Right, like you know, just kimono style. Like she's just like, let's go all in. Let's. How many cultures can we offend at once? Let's do this because I'm trying to go all out. I do 100% me. So Becky did this, uh, and I don't really know what the legal um, recourse is for. Do Do you have any idea? Oh, is there are many steps, and obviously, uh, Ade, the the Nigerian American designer, is on top of it, right? So she's filed a complaint. First of all, with uh, the Miami Fashion Show. Mm. Um, right now, we don't know what's happened. So mm-hmm. I know that different people have reached out to different people. I haven't yet found a statement from Sylvia Olson. Maybe she's busy trying to find somebody who's going to make the story go away. But I mean, even Getty Images has published, obviously, press images from the show. And this is all going to be... Uh, against copyright, trademark law, publicity law. It's the law. exact same swimsuit. Like, I think she bought the swimsuit. That's what I'm saying. She bought and it. And put it on somebody else. <laughs> she bought the swimsuit. And she probably, like, you know. And there's so many dashiki designs. How does one come up with the same dashiki designs? Right? You know what I mean? Dashiki same design. color scheme, same design. Wow. And then the same form on the suit. Yeah. Wow. Right. It's so blatant. But then it's, the Native American headdress oh, imitation, yeah, because, because you know, that, yeah. like, if you're going to copy someone's collection, just do a little research, a little research, make sure you got it right. She felt like she was doing something. She thought, she's like, nobody's going to know this because they think that's African. But look, I'm switching it up. <laughs> switching it up. Could so, be Native American. We don't know. So what's the moral of these stories? The rules are different for white folks, you know. White folks are billionaire with eight hundred million dollars. White folks, you know, can do your work. <laughs> they can just take your work and like roll with it. The rules are just different for them, and we've always known this. And it's how do we respond? In a very visible with, way. How do, we, how do we respond properly without feeling a sense of desperation and hopelessness? Like, no matter what I do, even when I am five times better, it's just like my mama said, she said, you got to be right. twice as good. No right. matter what yeah, I do, I've really, like, how do you, what do I've you do? Re- I've, I've really been thinking about this and writing a, a essay in my head about the, the double-edged sword of black excellence, right? In, head. Mm-hmm. in my head. You know, because, you know, B, a B is on the road right now. Me and Kenny Rogers, we on the road. Mm-hmm. Stay, <laughs> focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. So, um, but in my head, writing an essay about like the double-edged sword of black excellence about how, you know, we're sort of like fed, especially, you know, people that grew up working class, middle class, fed this mantra of black excellence, do the most you can, be the best at whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of seen in some ways as our price to the entrance into the world of humanity. 
which can be somewhat demoralizing. And another thing is that we all have this knowledge that the reality is, is we can show up in the world as Black folks, as excellent as we can possibly be time and time again. And stuff like this will happen. Stuff like that has happened to Pat McGrath, stuff that has happened to this Nigerian fashion designer who is amazing. I love her stuff. Please get me her swimsuit. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Showed up so excellent and look at what happened. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's something that has a psychological cost for us all collectively and individually. And how does one deal with that? I don't really think that, because I look at a lot of self-help stuff. I'm all about Oprah's Super Soul Sundays and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And yet, and still, I feel like that is something very hard for motivational speakers and even spiritual leaders to address right? There is definitely this cause and effect thing that they sell or believe in wholeheartedly of if you just show up with your best, the best will come to you. But we know collectively as Black people that that's not always the case. We hope that's the case. We try to show up in the world like that is the case, but that's not always the case. And so how do we deal with the psychological cost, cost of that? And even if there is any level of financial reparations um, from Miami Fashion Week for putting out that fraudulent fraud, mm. um, how does one then, you know, how does one then come back into a safe artistic space where they feel free to create, knowing that their stuff could be so blatantly and wholeheartedly ripped off in such a way, and then someone can hide behind their white privilege in order to do that? How do we do that? How do we do that time and time again? Well, there, my takeaway is the fashion industry needs to get with it, as we already have done in text and writing. And somebody needs to come up. Any, any techers out here, I'm giving you your, your new startup business. Come up with a way like they've done with plagiarism where you can check it. Needs to be a way to check fashion and people need to implement it and give credit where credit is due. In our final segment, what are we excited about? What are we excited about? What are we looking forward to? Well, I'm excited because um, I am uh, going back to the Big Gay Picnics in uh, Vienna. So that's happening all throughout July and August. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to get more women up in there, more queer women. You know, the boys have taken it over. But trying to get more cool women up in there. So I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Oh, so many things. So many things. I'm excited about the fact that Shuri is getting her own comic spinoff that will be yes. published in October. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to see what they do with that. I'm excited about, even though the haters are going to hate, I'm excited about the songs that Childish Gambino released for summer. They're so pretty. There's like I two songs. Check on, it. Yeah, you gotta check it. It's two SoundCloud? songs. It's on SoundCloud. Girl, SoundCloud has ruined their whole platform. Anyway, it's on oh, Spotify no. or whatever else you may listen to to get your music. It's great. It's fun. It's summery. And he's singing. I like when he sings. And then this weekend, we have some fun things going on here in London. Africa Utopia is this weekend, mm. which is always great to support uh, local 
African artists, fashion designers, dancers, and so forth. So that will be happening at the South Bank Center. And then also happening this weekend is the Lambeth Country Show, which is kind of an institution in South London. It takes place at Brockwell Park in Brixton. And it's just, you know, family-friendly festival with a whole bunch of different types of music. You know, it's called the Country Show for a reason, but there will be the Afro-Caribbean beats and stages and it'll be a blast so i'm looking forward to all of that well that's all for this week if you would like to keep up with us you can follow us on twitter at the queer truth we'd love to hear your thoughts on some of the things we've discussed today so feel free to get at us and if you enjoy this podcast please write us a review in itunes so that more people can find it and last but not least patreon.com slash the queer truth if you have some money to spare please support us until next time peace out